On this episode, the landing party lets their imagination run away with them and stab them in the chest. Sulu finds a cop's gun and his samurai. Captain Kirk fulfills his lifelong dream of beating up an Irishman. And the crew finally goes outside and gets some fresh air and a bit of sunshine for the change. I'm Captain Awesome. And I'm the Triple Hippie. Welcome aboard. Take your station and find something to hold on to. There are no seatbelts on this bridge. Hey everybody, welcome to No Seatbelts. This week we're going to be discussing episode 15 of the first season, Shore Leave. Uh, released December 29th, 1966. And I'm just going to apologize ahead of time. This one is bonkers, but not in a good way. <laughs> so this one was written by Theodore Sturgeon, who is actually uh, quite an acclaimed science fiction writer. Um, his fan base actually included... Robert Heinlein, Ray Bradbury, Kurt Vonnegut, Stephen King, and Carl Sagan. Uh, his most famous novel was a book called More Than Human. And he did a number of short stories and very, for various publications over about 40 years. Um, he's also going to write the episode uh, Amok, to, Amok Time. Amok Time. Run amok, 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 amok Time, amok. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite thing, though, is that he wrote the short story and the teleplay for Killdozer, which was oh, a movie uh, in this a TV movie in the seventies where a meteorite falls to the ground and imbues a bulldozer with an evil spirit that runs over people. This, as a kid, was an awesome movie. We all watched it and thought it was awesome. Um, Sturgeon was known for creating what's called Sturgeon's law, which purportedly says 90% of sci-fi is crud, but then 90% of everything is crud. And he also came up with something called Sturgeon's revelation, which is nothing is absolutely so, which unfortunately will probably eventually lead people to go, you know what? We can bring people back from the dead. What the heck? (laughs) (laughs) However, despite, Despite the fact that he wrote over 500 reviews, over 120 short stories, and 11 novels, Gene still rewrote the script. Well, duh. (laughs) We're going to actually just record on a sampler just the phrase, then Gene rewrote the script. Right. (laughs) I need a button for that. (laughs) Reportedly, parts of the script were a little bit too fantastical and expensive to shoot, as well as time-consuming. So Ronberry plopped himself down underneath a tree and was turning out pages while they were shooting at the same time. Yeah, Um, I find it interesting that that people said that he was flat out just like, Oh, we're out of budget on this shot. Okay. Let me rewrite this. Uh, Oh, we we went over on this one. Okay. Hold on. Just one sec. Like that's just, you you should not do things that way. (laughs) And it shows this episode is absolutely like somebody was, was like, Oh, what's your favorite kind of show? All right. Let's write that. Oh, what's your favorite kind of show? Okay. Let's write that. And just slapped them all together. And was like, all right, now we got to just cut it for time. There we go. What do we have the budget for? What else can we squeeze in here? Oh my gosh. (laughs) So the unenviable task of directing this whole car wreck, uh, went to a guy named Robert Sparr, uh, born in uh, 1915. He had long runs of, uh, directing TV on Bronco 77 sunset strip, wild, wild west rat patrol. 
However, my personal favorite credit is the 1965 movie Swing in Summer, which was a hmm. beach movie, but it mm-hmm. was actually at a lake instead of a beach. Well, because lakes have beaches. <laughs> and instead of surfing, they were water skiers. In yep. fact, the, the, um, the climax of the film is, uh, is two water skiers racing with the boats flat out, which everyone was like, Ooh, yeah. The coolest thing about the movie though, is that it stars Raquel Welch as a nerd who eventually does the whole take off my glasses, pull down my hair and oh my goodness, nobody could tell I was Raquel Welch the entire time. Yeah, no, I, I was fooled the whole time. <laughs> She does a great um, part after, after she reveals, uh, that she's no longer a nerd. She gets up on the stage and sings with the band. And the first lines of the song are, I used to be a square, but now I'm cool. Yeah. So I'm sad to say that I've actually seen this movie. Awesome. <laughs> that makes me so happy. And cause I, I used to have a soft spot for beach movies. I watched a lot of Frankie and Annette stuff. I mean, oh, awesome. I just, Oh yeah. I, it was a weird niche. Um, it, it was back in my days when I was watching a lot of, uh, reruns of bewitched and stuff, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I've, I sadly have seen this one. It is not a good movie, <laughs> but, it's but it's a movie, but it's a movie. <laughs> oh, so man. spar opera spar, the director, um, really improves the, pardon me, really impressed the producers with his ability to pull this entire shoot together because they had so many problems, but possibly due to the long hours and they actually shot an extra day, full seven days rather than six on this. The cast were not a big fan of Robert Sparr and he was never asked back to do another Star Trek, unfortunately. So I got to do another overnight. Uh, you guys <laughs> like this guy? I don't like this guy. This I don't guy sucks. I don't do this anymore. Right? <laughs> um, unfortunately, he passed away in 1969 in a plane accident in Colorado. He was scouting locations for some sort of project and was actually in a plane with one of the Star Trek cinematographers, Gerald Finnerman, um, who survived the crash, even though the pilot and Robert had passed away. So Okay, of- so he was he was scouting locations, but not for star Trek. It just so happened that the cinematographer was from star Trek. That's, that's how I, yeah. I, gotcha. that I saw would told me what project he was actually looking for, uh, locations, but I'm assuming Colorado, it probably wasn't, was not star Trek. I was sitting there and I'm like, oh, wait, so he wasn't asked back to star Trek, but he was scouting locations for them. That seems odd. <laughs> oh, you know, it's a side gig, whatever you make money where you can. So the description for this is just as, as, Weird as you'd think, uh, the enterprise <laughs> crew looks forward to some much needed R and R on an idyllic park, like planet, a park, like planet. I find very interesting. They, they went like a square mile. <laughs> their vacation is short lived. However, when they discover the planet is turning their daydreams into reality with seemingly deadly consequences, dun, 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 dun. they didn't even mention hilarity ensued. I mean, come on. <laughs> Cause I, I think that part was unintentional. Oh yeah. That's, that's probably true. Well, I don't know. They, they had lots of little, don't do 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 do. I love the, the, the goofy music. So much of this episode makes no sense whatsoever. Oh man. Speaking of which right off the bat, we're going to go to the enterprise bridge where Spock is on the bridge looking at a giant 
gray box with lights on it. It's some weird <laughs> new panel that's never been there before. Yeah, it's checking out like the channel changer on the screen or is that the, the vertical hold or something? <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I can tell you this. I have never seen Spock look more bored in the entire <laughs> franchise. He walks away from there like, <sighs> I just want to go outside. Like, I just want something to do. Or I wish you, <laughs> I wish you people would leave for a little while. Right. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, oh boy. Jim has a new yeoman. Yay. That's not going to be <laughs> creepy. Now here's the thing. He was just complaining two episodes ago about whoever set me up with a female yeoman. Janice Randa's gone. And what happens? Another he female is, yeoman. Uh, yeah. And it's like he has no power over this. I'm the captain, but I'm a pure victim of whoever assigns yeomans to me. Mm, I'm not buying it. Yeah. So is he actually more complaining about blonde versus brunette type thing? Or was, you know, just. <laughs> I don't know. He, no, because he clearly had a thing for for Janice Rand. True. True. So it couldn't have been that. I honestly, I think he's just kind of a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You might be onto something there. And we get to see uh, an example of that in a moment here because he goes, oh, my back hurts. And she she like dives in and is like, here, I got that for you. Starts just just working his back. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's some good stuff. I love those Vulcan fingers. Oh, yeah. And Spock walks away and he's like, whoa, whoa, Spock's not doing it. What? And he gets all mad and looks at her like, why, why are you doing that? At this point, Kirk's a little embarrassed because Spock has already kind of given him up some crap about turning the bridge into a set for the bachelor. Right. <laughs> I seriously, it was so bizarre. I, I couldn't really figure out what they were going for here, but eh, whatever. <laughs> so our new yeoman is yeoman Barrows, uh, played by Emily Banks. Um, born in 1933. Yeah. She debuted in 1966 in film and movies and was a working actress up to 1986. Um, so had a pretty long career. Uh, she was in an episode of Simon and Simon. Woo-hoo, Simon um, and Simon. And also in two episodes of Mannix. Because um, why not? <laughs> don't really know much about her personal life, but as far as we know, she's still alive. And if she's listening, hi, Emily. Actually, she just had a uh, uh, birthday. She just turned 90. Oh, wow. Amazing. Happy birthday, Emily. Um, uh, she was also the last of Darren's secretaries on Bewitched. I did not know that. Yeah. I think this is the point when Samantha was like, you know what? No more secretaries for you. They're all too pretty. <laughs> not going to happen. Uh, her name was Betty on uh, Bewitched. Uh, incidentally, she also played Betty in two separate roles uh, on uh, Highway to Heaven. Uh, there's a show that I I will freely admit I watched a lot of. <laughs> Never seen it. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> it was See, lots uh, of ads for it, but never saw it. What was his name? Michael uh, Michael Landon. Michael Landon, yeah, and, playing uh, an angel. Victor French. Yep. Oh, yeah. it was not good. And man, talk about high-minded drivel. Woof. <laughs> hey, there's a room for that on TV. All right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody's like we should go on vacation hey you think we should go on vacation i think we should go on vacation <laughs> kirk's <laughs> like i'm too tired for vacation <laughs> and spock takes the opportunity to is like well you know i don't need vacation like you guys do <laughs> it's, it's it, like any opportunity <laughs> right 
I love that it was just such a flex. He's like, yeah, we don't really do that. We, you know, when we're tired, we sleep. Other than that, yeah, we don't we don't really do that, which <laughs> is total garbage. Like, we're gonna we're gonna see some stuff about Vulcan planet or about the 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 planet of Vulcan that uh, is going to make us realize they play hard. <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah, well we don't try to kill each other at our wedding. So right. <laughs> also he has a loot. We know he plays music. Like he does something that's not working and sleeping. <laughs> I call BS on this Vulcan drivel. I use drivel twice in one episode. There you go. <laughs> I really like, they're really leaning into how beat up and tired the crew is. Mm-hmm. And I really love because as Shatner kind of like halfway staggers off of the bridge and he starts to give Uhura a, a uh, an order and she cuts him off. It's like, aye, aye, before he even finishes because it's just like, just leave. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, nobody cares, man. Just go. I do like that that he's the only one who's really staggering though. Every other crew member you see is still just fine. And he's like, I can't move. Like, you know, there's a, a whole room full of red shirts somewhere in the lower decks. It's like, you think he can't move? <laughs> no, he can't move. Bob, who's back there on XO3 dead. Right. Bob's not moving anymore. <laughs> So we, uh, we swing down to McCoy and Sulu skipping through the daisies on the planet. They look happy as can be. (laughs) (laughs) And why wouldn't they be? Because they are at Ralph Helfer's Africa, USA. This, this episode is shot in two locations, um, Africa, USA and Vasquez rock. There's Um, a Vasquez rock on every planet. (laughs) (laughs) What I didn't know about this though, is that. Ralph Helfer actually used to own Vasquez rocks before That's he crazy. moved everything over to Soledad Canyon. Um, he used it for animal training, uh, facility, but then the state of California built a freeway right through it. And so he moved the whole operation over to Soledad Canyon, which is where we see, uh, McCoy and, and, uh, uh, Sulu, what they call the glade. Every time they refer to the glade, um, the, so- can you imagine that though? He used to train his animals at Vasquez rock. That means oh, at know. some point you could be walking across Vasquez rock and come across a freaking lion. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. It does seem, seems that'd be at a bit of a disadvantage, <laughs> right? Although it does explain where they got the uh, footage for the lion King. <laughs> think about it it's there <laughs> there's a Vasquez rock <laughs> okay I broke myself I'm not shooting at Vasquez rock <laughs> but I'm just gonna draw it it'll be fine Pride rock nope it's Vasquez rock okay so the the um yeah, the glade scenes next to the pond, everything, those are shot at Soldan Canyon where he moved over um, afterwards. And I was thinking, well, that looks a lot like a scene I've seen, um, especially on Little House on the Prairie, the the fishing hole. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, that's probably the same area. But also found out back in 69, a really, really bad storm hit the area and flooded uh, Soldan Canyon killed up to 1500 animals actually just in that one storm, which is really, really sad. Well, Um, that's, that's not happy anymore. I don't want to think about pride rock. (laughs) Jeez Louise. 
Man, so I, I can't even imagine. I tried to look up the uh, to see if it if you know it was it was replanted and it, it was the same set, but I never did did quite find it. So could be, hmm. could not be. Challenge accepted. <laughs> so they're they're walking around and they're just kind of looking at everything. La di da, and you know Bones is going to have his goofy smile on because he gets that whenever he sees a pretty lady or a pretty flower. <laughs> And it's at this point that Sulu's like, well, I'm bored. I'm going to scan some stuff. (laughs) After they've had a conversation about this place is great. We should tell everybody down here. Oh, you know what? We should scan some stuff. (laughs) And And I love that he's like, yeah, you know, if I scan one plant and I see its cellular structure, I'll know about life on this entire planet. (laughs) And and McCoy just seems completely McCoy. A doctor in Starfleet <laughs> seems completely surprised by this. Really? Wow, that's fascinating. The things we can do nowadays. <laughs> Is that how cells work? <laughs> I don't know. He he does seem rather uh, rather grumpy about the fact that Sulu wants to scan anything in the first place. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> what the devil are you doing? <laughs> you know, doctors are scientists too, right, dude? <laughs> it's one of those differences of in the next generation era, there's kind of an era of professionality to the two away teams. In the original series, it's kind of like, Meh, oh, whatever. <laughs> right? Seriously, all of it just seems to be like beam down and look around and like, wow, this is really cool. Let's get into some trouble. Let's break something. <laughs> Let's touch that. Hey, take off your glove and touch that and then wipe right? your nose. <laughs> Although if you think about it, first season of next gen was like that too. Think about like Wesley running with those kids on oh, the, the yes. leisure planet and he lands in the death flowers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, going to have to kill you. All uh, right. You, you messed up a flower kid. Uh, you're going to have to die. <laughs> We're pretty serious it, about that stuff. Right. And then, uh, Riker's just like, ah, well, you know, kids will be kids. Hey, listen, we're going to violate all your laws. Sorry. (laughs) I'll say at least in that episode, it was a kid who did the stupid thing as opposed to somebody who's been for through four years of the Academy. Yeah, that's true. Although at least the writers knew what was really going on because Picard was like, now is when I get rid of him. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. So Zulu's scanning and McCoy's like, why are you doing that anyway? <laughs> I love it. I do, I do like, the, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I do like that they're, everybody's heavily armed so far on their, on their beautiful park planet. We've scanned it. We found absolutely no life forms whatsoever. Let's take our guns. Yeah. I, speaking of the guns, the only notes that I found about like uh, props and stuff on this episode was that somebody found it very interesting that they spray painted the handles of the phasers black for the first time in this episode. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, nobody talked about Spock's weird box on the bridge. No, no, no. The handles were black. So McCoy makes a reference to, you know, I swear this is just like Alice in Wonderland. And no sooner does he do that, then he turns around and sees a guy in a rabbit suit. A guy in a rabbit suit holding a watch, wearing a, a coat, and saying, I'm late, I'm late, and hopping off through the bushes. Now, take note, it's not an actual rabbit. It's a dude in a rabbit costume. 
And that dude went on to write Donnie Darko. <laughs> oh, wait. No, no, no. No, he didn't. And now you know the rest <laughs> of the story. <laughs> so, uh, oh, one note that I did think was funny is that Bones is looking at this giant rabbit, uh, you know, go off through the bushes. And DeForest Kelly lost last non-Trek movie will be Night of the Lepus. Yeah, it is a horror movie about giant rabbits. I mean, what are you going to do? He was made for the part. Right? <laughs> He's like, all right, I got, do you want me to use the silly smile or do you want me to be grumpy and say, I don't like the scanning? That's that's all I got. So the rabbit runs away. Also, I, I want to point out the rabbit runs away. Just so we're English. clear. And yes, well, yeah, he, yeah, he kind of ambles, hops. I don't, I don't know if I would call that a hop. It was kind of like <laughs> it's got a this half-hearted, one-footed, like, <laughs> I'm going to go this way now. I can't, It kind of looks like I can't see out of this mask, and <laughs> you want me to go where? Okay. Right. <laughs> and then the little girl shows up, and she's like, hey, I'm a little girl for no reason. <laughs> and she says, hello, have you seen the white rabbit? And, and please don't... And, Please don't make mention that my dress looks really, really, really similar to, <laughs> to the Disney movie, Alice. Listen, copyright prevents us from noticing any of this. <laughs> now, I, I I love Bones' reaction, though, because his reaction is totally like, well, that's kind of weird. You're <laughs> on an uninhabited planet, and you just saw an English-speaking man-sized rabbit or let's be honest, a guy in a rabbit suit being chased by a little girl. And you don't find that like screamingly odd. Like I would have been like, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. What is it? Oh my God. Oh my God. Well, I would have fumbled my phaser out and dropped it a couple times. Been in my hand. <laughs> and again, scientist didn't scan it. I really would have scanned this. Yes. Oh, <laughs> like, heck yes. I would have scanned my head and been like, I'm clearly, I'm dying right now. <laughs> That's what's happening. But no, he's like, huh, what do you know? There was a little thing there. Weird. <laughs> and he even gives the little girl directions when she asks where the rabbit went. Right. Sula's <laughs> right behind him. Sula doesn't hear him talking to the girl. <laughs> Sula's like, doo -doo -doo. oh, look, a blade of grass. Oh, how nice. I can tell everything about this planet if I scan that blade of grass. That's weird. I scan this blade of grass and it tells me there's a weird rabbit and a little girl on this planet. <laughs> Strange. My, I'll bet my that's the weirdest thing well. I see today. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy in the rabbit costume is William Blackburn, who is a trained figure skater. And I could actually, explain the little turn and hop he did. <laughs> it, it was kind of skatey. The, the, the actual headpiece for this whole thing was, uh, was from the ice capades. He borrowed from the ice capades and, uh, and he really had some problems with it because he was claustrophobic having this thing on. He's going to go on to play the Gorn as well and have this exact same problem. You know, it's, it's not his fault though, because the costume designer was, uh, William Ware Thice. Thice, Thice? Something like that. Yeah. T-A-E-I-S-S. -S. Your mileage may vary. Anyway, he <laughs> sewed the rabbit head to the suit. Like, that's not cool, man. You know this guy is already claustrophobic, so you sewed it shut? <laughs> and so he got to the point where, he, I don't know if he was hyperventilating or if it was just so hot and sweaty in there, but he was like suffocating. So he literally tore the head off. <laughs> 
No, and that's not on film. We don't get to see that. <laughs> Apparently, Thais was pretty pissed off about this. And so after some negotiations, um, Thais went ahead and- on. Yes, you are. I'm not putting it back on. <laughs> Thais decided to use Velcro this time. And now Blackburn was like, okay, I'll get back in. And unfortunately, there's like two seconds of him on film and you're like, yeah. wait, you do all of that for this? <laughs> and your face wasn't even, like, I understand, like, the, the need for fame or whatever. His face was not on screen. <laughs> so Ugh. I'm guessing there was a much larger uh, rabbit B story that we never, you know, that uh, Gene wrote out of the thing. Or, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so Mc- McCoy does the weirdest howl for Sulu I've ever seen. <laughs> And he doesn't go, hey, Sulu, you got to check this out. No, 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 no. He goes, Sulu! And like shouts it above his head. It's very similar to uh, the scream of the chip from the chipmunks. <laughs> right? <laughs> so bizarre. So Sulu walks up and and he's like, uh, did you see that? And Sulu's like, see what? And then the comic music. <sighs> For Star Trek is basically the, the the warning that yeah strap in folks it's going to be a long ride yeah that's <laughs> never a good thing <laughs> you ever notice tng never did that they stopped doing the 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 doot to doot music the <clears throat> oh man gilligan just got in trouble again music <laughs> <laughs> yeah again gomer forgot to clean the, the latrine again music a little bit in the first season but yeah it goes away pretty quick yeah Ugh. Anyway, so we go to commercial <laughs> and we come back from commercial and we have the best captain's log ever. <laughs> Star date is 3025. Uh, <laughs> Dude, it was so funny. I. I very rarely when watching Star Trek laugh out loud. Um, well, unless I'm watching Lower Decks, which by the way, holy crap, watch the new episode. They're so good. Anyway, <clears throat> season. It's been a good season. This whole season's been amazing. Um, anyway, but this, I laughed out loud, had to pause because I was still laughing. <laughs> 3025 uh, 0.3. It was totally that like, yeah, I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Three? Yeah. I don't know. It's 3025 Tuesday. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows we're making these up, right? <laughs> <laughs> so good. So the um, as we come back, one of the things that bugged me about watching the remastered version is once again, the remastering has robbed us from something classic. This is the first and only or one of a, only a couple episodes where the enterprise goes from right to left instead of from left to right going across a planet. It's a silly thing to notice, but what's the reason for it is because they deliberately flipped this, the film because apparently in the original cut of going past the globe, you could very clearly see the Eastern half of the United States <laughs> and the Caribbean sea on this handmade globe. And so they were like, no, no, that's not good. Flip it around. Nobody will ever notice. And <laughs> the only other time that they did that was actually in the mirror, mirror universe episodes. 
uh, the ISS Enterprise goes the wrong way around planets. But they do that the entire episode <laughs> because they're in a mirror world. <clears throat> and evil starships always, always orbit clockwise. It's true. It's very, very true. <laughs> That's how you can tell. The unfortunate thing is on the remaster, you don't get to see any of this. They fixed it all. And I'm like, oh, come on. That's yeah, the no, good stuff. I thought that was odd. I mean, as much as they, they really try to stay somewhat faithful to the original cuts and edit, I was a bit surprised oh. that they reversed that. No, man, I, I've actually noticed that quite a few times. They have fixed so many of the planets that like you never get to see the, the uh, super weird globes yeah. that they made for the show because they keep swapping it out with, I mean, admittedly really cool renditions of planets, but if you're looking for the fun stuff, they took it all out. Yes. Yeah. That's it would be nice point. if there was like an option to turn off the remaster while you're watching or like turn off any added special effects. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised know. that uh, Paramount plus doesn't give you the option of, uh, of seeing right? the actual original cut. I'd love to watch the original cuts. Yeah. Hey, Paramount, anyway. if you're listening, just saying, yeah, it's easy. You already own it. I mean, just right? throw it up there. <laughs> it actually is less work than what you're already doing. <laughs> anyway. So the yeoman points out that Kirk hasn't scheduled any away time and Kirk's doing the whole, Oh no, no, no. Um, I'm not going down. I'm the captain and I'm staying on the ship. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I just like it better here. <laughs> uh, so the guess is that he probably wanted to go to more, more of a party planet. I mean, you know, probably more of, a, more of a Vegas type style planet. And he, he does strike me as a, as a Viva kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Outside. I don't want to go outside. They have this place called the Flamingo. It's amazing. So he tells Spock, it's like, Hey Spock, you go down and Spock again, you know, has to point out, no, 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 no. Where I come from, we like to chill out when we relax. You people seem to want to do Burning Man like everywhere you go. Right. And we just like to chill. So I'm going to stay here and chill. I think Spock just wants to hibernate. He's he's waiting for everybody to just shut up for a minute, get their human <laughs> stink off the ship <laughs> so he can go to take a nap. And he just doesn't really have to be such a jerk about it. <laughs> so while Spock is reminding Kirk of how superior he is, uh, McCoy. Uh, calls his cell and <laughs> Kirk says, Hey bones, what's up? And according to IMDb, I, I don't know this for sure, but according to IMDb in the broadcast order, this is the first time that Kirk calls him bones. Uh, Trek movie says the same thing. Does it? Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. It was, it was a, a red letter moment, red letter moment. I don't know. That's not a thing. It was a good moment. So I wonder who came up with that. If that was a Sturgeon thing or if, uh, or who actually came up with that whole idea. Anyway, no, Sturgeon yeah, was working on his caviar well. game. <laughs> but <Ba-dum-bum. clears throat> So, uh, McCoy's like, Hey, um, there's nobody on this planet, right? Just, <laughs> just making sure. Like I didn't make that up. And he's like, yeah, of course not. And he's like, all right, no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what I do love, though, is in this scene when Bones is when they show Bones as he's talking to the communicator and he's like, there's nobody here. This planet's completely uninhabited, right? If you look past him at the hillside behind him, there is very clearly a walkway with with light posts. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, "Uh, it might be inhabited. Just saying. (laughs) 
It's not inhabited, but it's extremely convenient. (laughs) It does have very well-lit restrooms. It's very nice. (laughs) So uh, McCoy tells Kirk, yeah, I just, you know, saw a big white rabbit down here. And Kirk thinks he's joking. And it's like, oh, yeah, did you see, you know, Alice as well? It's like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And Kirk thinks that's hilarious. And he hangs up. Okay, I I like this. This is perfect because, like, you know that kind of crap would happen. Like, all right, well, what do you see down there? Well, I've scanned and scanned, and I've just run into something amazing. Really, what is it? It's your mom. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, you got me again. My first, I know I would do that if I was on an away mission. <laughs> my my first thought if if I got this call is. Okay, somebody started shore leave just a little early. Right. <laughs> Did you take the Saurian brandy with you again? <laughs> and if anybody has if anybody has a pocket full of hypos, yeah, it's gonna yeah, be right. <laughs> that he does. So Kirk's like, ah, McCoy's trying to figure out a way to get me down there. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and I, I love how Spock is just like, well. There is one person we need to talk about. <laughs> he's a he's a man who's just not listening to his commanding officer, or he's not listening to anyone on the ship who's telling him that he needs to relax. And Kirk's like, oh, "Wait, somebody's not listening when they're being told to do something." Well, tell that guy that. Yeah, I would. I would absolutely tell him he has to go. In fact, let him know that I said he has to go. What's his name anyway? It's <laughs> Fox like. James Kirk. Dun, dun, dun. The look <laughs> on his face. So good. <laughs> the jerk called, the jerk store called, and they're all out of you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have to admit, though, as, as dumb as so much of this episode is, this scene got me 100%. I was sitting there watching it, and I was, I had a big old grin on my face. I was so happy. I, mean, I knew exactly what was going on, but it was just like, oh, he got his buddy. That's so cool. <laughs> so yeah, like yourself, I was kind of wondering, you know, when everybody uh, goes away, what exactly is Spock doing? I'm thinking, okay, does he tweak the gravity slightly to make it, you know, more like Vulcan, make it hotter, walk around in his cool robe, slide around in his socks on the you know, wax floors? Because it's obvious just to look at his face, like, would you please just get out of here? <laughs> right. He gets a real mischievous look on his face, and he's like, I'm gonna meditate. Right on the bridge. Oh, yeah. Oh, I meditated over there. I meditated over there. <laughs> I meditated everywhere. <laughs> hey, look at that. 36 minutes. That's how long it took before we had a community <laughs> reference. <sighs> All right. So anyway, we, we head down to the planet. <laughs> And this was kind of cool. They had a voiceover of Spock talking about the planet. He's like, hey, you know, it's it's real beautiful, man. This place is so peaceful. Oh, man, there's there's nothing nothing out here at all that could be even remotely bad. Everything's cool, man. And then this rock is like, Bleh. hey, you want a gun? <laughs> I did think that was an interesting scene. Here we see in nature the rock giving birth to a button. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, 
the thing is that was so weird about it though is it looked like a hungry hungry hippo letting it go and, like it was just like this weird <laughs> like shell yeah <laughs> like they could have figured out any other way to have a gun just appear they were like i don't know just put it under a door or something I don't know. there's no doors i don't know make it look like a rock i don't care stop bothering me i have a show to make <laughs> Uh, so we quickly uh, cut over to uh, Rodriguez and Martine. Now, this is Angela Martine, who we saw in the last episode, uh, Balance of Terror, and whose fiance had passed away. Yeah. But, but that, um, that was a week ago, though. Yeah. So, that was, <laughs> so after her fiance inhales some pink gas a week later, she's uh, hanging out with Rodriguez. And you know what? Good for her. You right? go, girl. Yeah, I mean, Rodriguez looks like a catch, man. <laughs> and he is. He's uh, Rodriguez is played by Perry Lopez, uh, born 1929. Lots of TV and movie parts. He was not in Assignment Assignment, but he was in a Mannix. So he's got that going Manics. for him. Um, he had parts in movies such as Creature of the Black Lagoon and McClintock and Chinatown and The Two Jakes. Ooh, um, he's from Puerto Rico, or he was actually from Puerto Rican descent. Um, and as a result, he got lots of ethnic roles back in the uh, 50s and 60s hispanics native americans those sort of mm-hmm. thing um and unfortunately he did pass from lung cancer in 2008 but he will mm-hmm. be playing rodriguez for us this week very nice um so they beam down kirk or kirk and uh, uh yeoman what is her name again yeoman uh barrows barrows i'm bad with names so Kirk and Yeoman Barrows beam down. And as you mentioned, again, Scotty is a big fat jerk. <laughs> he beams them down between two trees. Like, what is that? <laughs> that? That is just a gentle reminder of it just takes one slip of my finger, Jimmy boy. Right. You're inside a rock. <laughs> I, I like to think that he does it on purpose so that when Kirk is like, hey, guys, how's it going? He hits his elbow on the tree. And he's like, ah, ooh, <laughs> ah. <laughs> funny bone every time damn you scotty <laughs> so kirk is still really tired because when he walks up to the two he refers to uh uh angela martine as teller so we're gonna pass that off as him just being tired but in reality um the production crew didn't realize until they were already in shooting that oh crud she was already in an episode and she had a different name didn't they just do that on the last episode too with um, one of the, the guys at the helm where they forgot what it, or forgot he'd already been on an episode. <laughs> and so they had to rename him real quick. Like, come on guys, <laughs> write a show Bible already. Make sure you put down who played who. Yeah. I, I don't like to be limited like that. I, 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 it's like a straight jacket. <laughs> right. People uh, having the same names. <laughs> So Kirk and, uh, and Yoma Barrows, uh, tell Martin and Rodriguez, Hey, knock off the work. You guys are, you guys can, you know, go ahead and start your vacation. And as they walk away, Kirk mentions just how beautiful it is. And then Yoma Barrows starts just doing a data thing. She just turns into a thesaurus all of a sudden. Beautiful. It's peaceful. It's restful. Oh, oh, I mean, yes, captain. Oh. It's just like, well, <clears throat> Honestly, that was Gene writing that. That was Gene. When they walked away, <laughs> Rodriguez was like, Yeah, it's so restful. 
And then Kirk's walking. He's like, yeah, it's restful. And then, <laughs> and then Barrows is like, yeah, it's restful. And I'm like, seriously, what is wrong with you people? Gene forgot his th- th- thesaurus. Right. He's <laughs> like, uh, resty, restful, restiferous, restful. That's it. What, what, what's it. What's another word for, for beautiful restful. Uh, I, I think I, yeah, that's okay, all right. Fine. It's, you know what? It, it, it's like half a page apart. It'll be fine. <laughs> so they, they find McCoy and McCoy's like, Hey guys, you got to see this. <laughs> Y'all better get over here and check this out. <laughs> <laughs> so he shows them these giant footprints and I absolutely love that the first thing that, that Jim does is like, yep, that's a rabbit. <laughs> These are like size 27 feet. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. That's, it's like, and you, he seems very unconcerned about it. It's just like, yeah, yeah, rabbit. Right. Yeah, you should have seen the size of the rabbits on the last planet we were on. <laughs> no, the, the other thing I love about it is th- those footprints are directly next to each other, like perfectly <laughs> Uh, perfectly next or space next to each other. And there, there's a set of two, then in front of it, a set of two, and then a set of two, like somebody went out and set up the Easter bunny trail for their kid. (laughs) Right. And, but the thing is that kills me is that the rabbit ran away. (laughs) He was not doing this. So I really love also that there's like, well, okay, you saw this, but didn't, didn't Sulu see anything? <laughs> McCoy's reaction is like, he was examining the flora at the time. <laughs> Seriously. Like what did, what did Sulu do to piss him off? Bone seems to just be on him the whole, th- the whole time. I mean, I, I mean, I kid you not actually examining the flora. <laughs> right. So then Kirk is like, you know what? We should cancel this trip. Uh, cause this is, this is just a bad idea. <laughs> And Bones is like, uh, I don't think, no, nah, we don't have to do that. I mean, it's just a giant rabbit, you know, whatever. He has that look about the, you know, about the kid who's afraid that the party's going to get canceled because something he did. <laughs> no, no, right? no, we shouldn't do that. Oh man, people are going to be so pissed. Right. <laughs> oh, gee, my friends are going to be sore at me. <laughs> I mean, I only saw one of these things and there's a bunch of us. So, I mean, how bad can it be? <laughs> hmm. Sounds like a good dinner to me. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, no, his attitude is just so, so mellow too. He's like, you know, I'm clearly going crazy, but you know, this is fine. It's fine. (laughs) I'm sure it'll be okay. And Kirk, for once, Kirk is actually like the, the makes the most sense of anybody. Well, yeah, it might be fine, but I kind of want to have proof it's fine before I bring everybody down here. (laughs) Yeah, no, you already told me that you're going crazy five minutes after being here. We're leaving. (laughs) And while they discuss this, they hear shots fired. And they all look around and go, that's a weird noise. I've never heard that noise before, so I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, wait. No, no, no. They're all from Westerns, so they immediately start running to the gunshots that they somehow know what they are. Ugh. It cracked me up because seeing this, one of the quotes I saw from uh, uh, the actress who played Yeoman Barrows was that she wasn't really in love with her experience shooting star Trek because it seemed more like a track meet than it did an actual like acting job. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> she, I saw that, that interview too, where she was like, I, I never have sprinted so much in my life. <laughs> and if you watch the episode, it's true. Everybody runs everywhere. 
And it's always really wide shots too. So you're not running for like, uh, you know, 10 feet you're running. <laughs> Speaking of running and I, this is going to sound so mean, but one of the funniest things in the world to me is watching William Shatner run. Now I know he's an athlete, but he's a tennis player. He's he's not a runner because he has this thing and he does this in TJ Hooker as well. He does this thing where his upper arms don't move a lot, but his forearms kind of flail out to the side. It's true. Okay, I have a theory though. It's not his fault. Is there more or is that just it? No, no. Well, yeah. No, no, seriously. If you look at how they attach these these phasers to the belts, it's like hanging off of his nipple. It's so high up. <laughs> I think the reason he runs like that is because he's got to move his arms around that stupid plastic gun on his hip. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's what it is. Uh, you might have a point. You might have a point. It's not his fault. <laughs> that's my story and I'm sticking to it. So yeah, they dash through the forest, I guess. Yeah, by forest, we mean manicured lawn with a couple pl- potted plants in the middle of it, right? Because at, at that point in the story, that's exactly what they run through. I'm, I was like, is that has that lawn been mowed? <laughs> yeah, uninhabited. Right, right. <laughs> this is neater than the Shire on Lord of the Rings. I mean, this is <laughs> right, right. <laughs> And they run up and Sulu's like, uh, bang, uh, bang. <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> so yeah, he has a six shooter in his hand, which is, which is hilarious because you know, it's space. When you find some sort of ancient weapon line on the ground, you just pick it up and start using it. I mean, you know, <laughs> oh, and it's great too. They run up and they're like, Sulu, what are you doing? He's like, I found this gun. It's, it's so awesome. It's, I should add it to my collection. I love it. <laughs> Now he does something that really bugs me in both television and movies too. While he's explaining this to them, he's caressing the barrel of the gun after he's just fired it. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've done that by accident before. (laughs) That's really hot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's an experience you don't forget. (laughs) Those are very, very hot and you don't want to touch those. So, uh, So just to point to the kids out there, when it comes to handling firearms, Star Trek is not realistic. Just going to point. Do not watch these people's (laughs) gun handling. Anyway, so he apparently collects weapons, which is the first time I think that they've mentioned that. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I've always wanted this for my collection. (laughs) So it's a really multidimensional dude. Right. I don't know. And he, he explains it. He's like, you know, it, it fires lead projectiles from a chemical explosion. And everybody's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks for explaining guns. <laughs> and then Jim puts it in his pants and you're like, that's not going to be unpleasant too. <laughs> yeah, like, really? You don't say expanding <laughs> gases and lead pellets. Huh? Here, let me just tuck that into my pants. Right. <laughs> look on Sulu's face is like, I know you collect ancient weapons as well. And I'm never getting that back. Am I? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, do you want it back after that? Just saying. Now, just to be a nerd, I had to count the shots. There were four. (sighs) There were four shots. It's TV. We know this is going to go wrong. (laughs) (laughs) 
So they suddenly all look down. Whoop, there's more rabbit tracks. <laughs> you know, for something that's only been seen once, this rabbit is getting around. Right. Well, I, I have to admit, I started after they saw the rabbit tracks, I started watching the, the dirt. There's tracks everywhere. Yes. <laughs> and it's not just rabbit tracks. Like you can see, like they've clearly have filmed some of this on walking trails. <laughs> it gets especially bad in Vasquez rocks. <laughs> but you know, there's no life forms here. There's just very unusual dirt formations. Right. So they split up because that's what you should do in this situation. And <laughs> Kirk sends Sulu and Barrows to go off and follow the tracks and he and bones are going to go back down to where they beam down. Um, and you know, maybe along the way, look for a little girl. (laughs) Um, they're walking through. There's a, something that looks like a homemade television aerial. Like now for our younger viewers, some (laughs) back in the day actually had metal antennas that came out the back. So you could receive the, signal through the airwaves. And I will tell you as somebody who grew up in the middle of nowhere, the aerial that's tracking both uh, bones and Kirk, you couldn't even get the PBS station on that. That thing is just not well designed. It's it's a directional antenna. That's not going to work for anything. (laughs) Yeah. And then as they're walking away, Sulu puts his hand on, on Barrows's back and guides her through the forest. (laughs) Like, dude, what are you doing? Get off of her. One thing I noticed uh, during the entire scene too, she never catches her breath. Well, yeah. <laughs> the rest of them are talking and she is still, or it's like, yeah, Barrow smokes cigarettes. <laughs> we have to assume they're all smokers at this point, right? <laughs> she just doesn't have a, a, a stunt double that can do all the running for her. <laughs> You're a guest of the week. No stunt double for you. Right. So Kirk and Bones are just talking. They're like, doo do this is really weird, right? Yeah, yeah. It's strange that you saw a rabbit and, and saw Alice in Wonderland. I mean, that, that was really weird. You know, when I was a kid, I had a bully who used to pick up or pick on me. He was Irish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this was the weirdest transition. Oh, it just reminds me of this guy, this jerk I used to want to go to school with. Right. Wait, what? <laughs> and Oh man. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he starts talking about how he's being abused by this Irish guy, <laughs> which as a person of Irish descent, I'm watching this and I'm thinking, should I be offended by the? No, I'm t- yeah. You know, hey, okay. It's yeah, Star Trek. Yeah. It's Star Trek. The original series. You should absolutely be offended. <laughs> like that's the t-shirt right there. This is Star Trek. You should be offended. <laughs> And um, what was one of the, the thing that he, he talks, he's like, well, you know, you've got that bully in school who, you know, picks on you and makes your life kind of miserable and puts cold soup in your bed and puts bowl of water on top of a door. And I'm like, wait, hold up. He put cold <laughs> soup in your bed. What is that? I've never heard of this prank. <laughs> Certainly hazing is just weird. <laughs> <laughs> ha ha your soup's not warm and it's bedtime <laughs> like ew like, does he pour the soup in his bed I, I don't know you know what's really sad is that when they go to next generation and they do that whole episode about Wesley uh, you know being court martialed at the academy mm-hmm. they should have gone with soup in the bed soup in the bed it would have been great <laughs> would have been an awesome callback <laughs> hey lower decks guys do something so childish wesley everyone on lower decks 
Have you considered cold soup in the bed? <laughs> I mean, that's a good sign for everybody. <laughs> I can't imagine that Will Riker got all the way through the academy without putting cold soup in somebody's bed. <laughs> you know he used to do that all the time. <laughs> I feel bad because you know Miles O'Brien was the one who got cold soup in his bed all the time. Poor, poor guy. And he's Irish. That's not cool. <laughs> All right. That was enough. Moving on. So Kirk tells Bones, hey, you know what? Um, let's split up again. You go follow these rabbit tracks. I'm going to go this way where I think the little girl did go this time. And then all of a sudden we see some dude in a shiny shirt standing there. And he looks really happy. <laughs> it's Finnegan. In a silver oh. tunic, which, okay, had to take a look at this. Um, now, first of all, I want to point out, it's Finnegan. It's actually Finnegan. And it's not a guy dressed up in a Finnegan suit. I disagree. He is, in fact, wearing Finnegan's suit. <laughs> Therefore, he is wearing, a, <laughs> he is a guy wearing a Finnegan suit. I'm just saying. Okay, let me, let me, re- let me refine my statement. I don't think that his head is Velcroed on. Fair. I'll give you that one. <laughs> That is absolutely fair. <laughs> so did look up because he's wearing a silver tunic, which we find out is supposed to be a signifying a cadet's tunic and actually will show up again in Wolf in the Fold and the Trouble of Tribble. So I'll be looking out for those when we do those episodes because I'll be interested to see how they're how they're presented. Um, Finnegan, played by an interesting dude named Bruce Mars, uh, Ooh, born in 1935. And, um, it's a bit weird because he, in this scene is supposed to be playing somebody in his early twenties and he was actually 31 when he's shooting this and he looks I like mean, a dude who's 31. Yeah. He, he looks like he's 30. It's, it's, <laughs> there, is, <laughs> there is no, there, there's no two ways about that. I will say that his, uh, his Irish guy that he's playing is a little like, like Paul Lind, uh, <laughs> trying to do an Irish accent I, it, the whole time. I'm thinking uncle Arthur. I mean, maybe by this point I had bewitched on the brain. I don't know, but that's all I could see was Paul Lind. <laughs> yeah. It's over the top. It is definitely over the top. It's pretty bad. Um, so Bruce Mars started his career as a male model um, and then moved to acting from there. Um, did a number of TV guest spots uh, all the way through 1969. Um, and he actually got this part uh, through a contact with uh, Joseph D'Agosta, who will later marry Barbara Bedalvin, who's playing Angela Martine in this episode. So I thought that was kind of a cool connection. That is kind of cool, actually. Um, he will show up in another Star Trek as a policeman in the episode Assignment Earth. Ooh. But not long after doing that, he actually leaves the acting gig and he joins an organization called the Self-Realization Fellowship in L.A., which are partly still a part of right now. Um, he eventually becomes a senior monk, taking the name of uh, Brother Paramananda, and it appears that he's still doing it. A couple of stories I read said he actually um, met with Elvis a number of times. Uh, Elvis sought him as a, uh, as a personal and spiritual advisor a couple of times, but I could find nothing that actually from the Elvis side that actually backed that up. So we'll just put that as internet rumor, but when they show up Finnegan 
who again is doing a very over-the-top Irish accent. They start playing music in the background of an Irish jig, and now I know, yeah, as a person of Irish descent, I should be offended. Oh, yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Now, what this music that they're playing is part of a lot of music that was done for this episode. Uh, composer Gerald Freed was extremely busy for this episode. Uh, all the music was, was created for the first time. They didn't reuse anything. Uh, the Irish one was very clearly Irish jig music. Um, yes. not, nothing too crazy about it. <laughs> um, there is some romantic piece that's going to be, that's going to come up later when Kirk meets somebody special who, We'll tell you about when we get there. Uh, but that that actually is going to be used four more times on four different episodes, all in the same year. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, it was kind of cool. Now, this Irish jig was actually based off of uh, a scene in uh, The Quiet Man with John Wayne. Uh, there's a big fight scene in there, and the Irish jig music is played in that scene. And uh, Gerald Freed said that that's what he actually based this piece off of because he thought the fight scene was was fitting. Which once I read that is like, yeah, that I've seen that movie and yeah, that totally makes oh, yeah. sense. That hundred yeah. percent. So yeah, it's just kind of neat. Um, and then he starts just talking smack to Kirk and they turn back to Kirk and you mentioned something very interesting. It does sound like they clicked in Baylock's laugh yes. from, from uh Baylock's episode, which I thought was kind of interesting because it definitely sounds like that either that or, <laughs> The sound technician who did the uh, the fill-in audio work did a terrible job. <laughs> He's like, uh, you know what? Let's just go in the bathroom and record it in there. It'll be fine. <laughs> we just need one more. We just need one more, Bruce. Right? Bruce's like, listen, man, I told you I can't do this when I'm on the can. It's just not okay. You're like, well, you know, what are you going to do? So, so being an Irishman, Finnegan sucker punches Jim Kirk. Cause again, we're just going full on stereotype at this point. Well, I mean, it has been established that nobody likes the Irish or the Scottish for some reason, like in the star Trek universe, they're not very well liked. Yeah. I don't really know why. <laughs> Something with a Roddenberry. Oh, right. Roddenberry's English, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, there, there we go. go. There we go. There you go. It all comes to light. <laughs> Um, so Jim and, uh, and Finnegan, they, they square up and they're getting ready to tussle and they they start fighting. And all of a sudden you hear, ah, it's a lady scream. It's a lady scream, which is awesome because Jim run tor- runs towards it. And on his way meets up with bones who yells, who is that? He's like, <laughs> so oh, don't worry. That was me. Uh. <laughs> you're not sure if that was Sulu or Barrows because right. you know, it's. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it, in all fairness, it could have been Barrows or it could have been uh, uh, Angela Martin. Uh, true. Good point. Yeah. Um, never, so anyway, they would start, never scream. Angela Martin would never scream. I mean, <laughs> that's true. She's tough. <laughs> so they, they run back and there's Barrows and her dress is torn and she is absolutely beside herself. And everybody's like, what, what's going on? What's going on? She's like, well, he, he had a cape and, and, and he ran away. <laughs> and, like, Kirk's reaction is, are you sure you aren't imagining all of this? Now her tunic is ripped. First right. of all, she's holding it up. We've 
seen rabbit tracks. We've seen Finnegan. Uh-huh. But all of a sudden, Jim isn't quite sure if she's telling the truth on this. Right. A little bit hypocritical there, Jimbo. <laughs> so then Bones decides he's going to be helpful. And he's like, you know what? All the amazing amounts of evidence you've just given me, that was Don Juan. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Don Juan. That, that sounds right. Yeah. And she's like, you know, I was just thinking about Don Juan. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Now, I, w- I did a little bit of digging on this because I was like, you know, I've heard of the character Don Juan, but I don't know a lot about it. So I figured I'd look it up because I was like, you know, it's a little rapey for Don Juan because I think of Don Juan as like, you know, oh, he's the great lover. So I looked it up. Um, that show is called The Immoral Man Punished. <laughs> the first scene of the opera is Don Juan raping someone's daughter. It is not a good show. <laughs> um, for some reason, the cultural zeitgeist has turned Don Juan into the great lover. The reality is Don Juan was a dangerous rapist. <laughs> Which oh my leads God. you to believe. So you were thinking about what while you were walking around on this planet? <laughs> right? Right? She's like, oh, yeah, you know, I was like, oh, this place is so beautiful. Uh, Don Juan's really weird, right? (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what it would be like if he was here. (laughs) I don't know. It's just a bizarre tale there. I'm not, because like she clearly knows who Don Juan is. They all seem to know who Don Juan is. And then she was like, you know, if I was walking around, I'd really wish he was by my side. (laughs) I, I don't get it. This is a weird writing choice. (laughs) Big time. This is definitely one of those gene under the tree moments. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I think a lot of people, a lot of women think about Don Juan. No, Jane. No, 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 they do not. I'm sure. No, no. I saw it on TV the other day. Don Juan. That's (laughs) everybody likes that. So Jim's like, all right, well that was weird. I'm out. And he's, (laughs) (laughs) you kids have fun. I'm going to go find Sulu. Right. I don't know. So he, he runs through the woods and all of a sudden he comes to a deserty section and there it is in all its glory. Vasquez rock. Oh yeah. Dun, dun, dun. There's one on every planet, including this one. And this one's covered in potted plants. <laughs> potted plants that remind him of Ruth. Cause you know, well, yeah. Ruth. <laughs> Ruth, who he hasn't seen in 15 years. Ruth, who absolutely loved plastic flowers. (laughs) (laughs) So he hasn't seen her in 15 years, which means he was 20 or 21 when he last saw her. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to be unkind, but he says, you haven't aged and she is clearly not 20 or 21. No, this is, this is a 32 year old woman. Yes. Now in all fairness, She's got great skin. She's 32 though. Now I, I was reading about the fact that their ages are so close, right? They're, they're only two and a half years apart and they're supposed to be 15 years apart. And when I read about this and was trying to figure out like what's going on here, one article that I read posited, maybe she was an older woman. That was my thought because my thought was she wasn't somebody at the Academy. She was one of his mom's friends. Right. 
or like somebody he met when he snuck out to a bar one night or yes. something, right? Like he, she's, she's the lady that uh, got to know him in his formative years, if you know what I mean. And she proves that there's definitely some, I guess, maternal instincts there because she walks up and embraces him and they smush cheeks. There's no kissing. There's no intimacy there. It's just, let's rub cheeks together. Now, this is weird, right? Because <laughs> I looked at this and I'm like, am, am I missing out on something? Like, is this a thing people do and I just don't get it? Because it was real weird. <laughs> well, this whole thing is weird because they just look at each other and she just stares at him. She doesn't say much. Mm-hmm. She just stares at him almost the entire time. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a weird encounter um, to begin Super with. Super weird. Now... Our good, our, our nice lady Ruth here. She's played by Shirley Bond or Bonnie Bond. Bon. I'll say Bond. Uh, born in 1934 as Shirley Mae Tanner. Yes. <laughs> I don't think Bond's her real name. So she started her career in 1955, uh, November 5th, 1955. Oh, wait. No, no. That's a different thing. And she was on a show called My Sister Eileen. Um, now, her final thing that she was on or that she was acting in was an episode of I Dream of Jeannie in 1970, which posits that I probably saw her last acting appearance. There <laughs> um, was also uh, she was a cover model for Parade magazine twice, um, and she was a cover model on over 400 magazines. Um, in fact, she was supposedly also a spokeswoman at or a spokesmodel, excuse me. At a uh, car show unveiling the Corvair. Ooh. Ooh. Gotta love that flat top engine. <laughs> anyway. Um, and then she left TV and uh, decided to become a mother of three with her second husband. And she retired to Palm Springs. I don't understand why so many actors from, from the uh, 60s retired to the Palm Springs. I don't get it. I mean, I've been to Palm Springs. I don't understand the draw. Uh, maybe it was better in the seventies. You know what? Seriously, it must've been because <laughs> now it's like, oof. anyway. Um, so Kirk is like, Hey, or McCoy's like, Hey, did you find Sulu? And Kirk's like, I don't know. <laughs> no, but I'm I sure guess. it's okay. All right. <laughs> I, mean, I love when Rodriguez calls cause Rodriguez tells him, Hey, yeah. So, uh, I saw some birds and Kirk's like, <laughs> what? You don't like birds? And he's like, well, I like birds fine, but they shouldn't be here. There's nothing supposed to be here. Kurt goes into the bell. I think our instruments were just off. And I love Rodriguez. Like, uh, no, that <laughs> wouldn't be a thing, Captain. And that finally, finally, Kirk is like, oh, yeah, okay. That did sound pretty stupid. Sorry. Okay. Okay. I kept waiting for Kurt to be like, well, okay. I was being nice. Maybe you're just bad at your job. <laughs> Now, what is great, though, is that while they're having this conversation, talking about how there shouldn't be any animals whatsoever, there is a fly buzzing around Ruth's ear. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so Spock calls and he's like, hey, guys, guess what? I found something. There's something underground and it's sapping all of our energy. Now, was he saying that it was sucking up all of their energy or the ship's energy? I believe the ship's energy. Uh, okay. However, that's weird, but okay. However, we will find out 
later that the phasers aren't working. Oh, that's true. Yeah. The communicators start to crap out. Yep. But the tricorder seems to work fine. Yeah. So well, I'm assuming maybe. tricorders have better batteries. There's only one tricorder that's actually working and that's Sulu's. Yes. And all it's done is let him, you know, examine like grass. <laughs> so uh, Spock well, I guess it does, it, it does work. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Which is odd that Spock, when he does show up, doesn't have his own, but that's, you know. Right. So Kirk's like, you know, we should all meet back at the Glade. So he's like, hey, everybody, meet back at the Glade. Rodriguez, tell everybody. Rodriguez is like, fine. And, and Ruth and, just says, I'll be here around here if you want to see me later. And just walks right. off into Vasquez Rock. I don't exist. So just, you know, say, hey, Ruth, and I'll show up. <laughs> and then Kirk goes to walk away and he walks further deeper into Vasquez Rock, going the same direction he was going when he walked into the scene. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> So then Bones and Barrows are hanging out because uh, we've had a big crew swap now. Um, and they start walking along and the aerial is tracking them again. Dun, dun, dun. I kept waiting for it to be like. <laughs> <laughs> so Barrows uh, tells Bones that just for a fact, I was thinking about how wonderful it'd be treated, it would be to be treated like a special woman. Yeah. And Bones gets the hint, shoots a shot and. Hey, you know what? Looks like he scores. She's like, yeah, well, maybe. So originally a lot of these scenes between Barrows and McCoy were written for Rand and Kirk. Um, There had been a plan originally in the scripts that Rand and Kirk would slowly grow closer and their relationship would progress. But as Grace Lee Whitney was fired from the production, that didn't happen. And these, this rewrite when basically gave the romantic lead to bones on this particular uh, episode apparently in the original 1966 script, there was still a line in there that referred to Janice Rand uh, that they missed. Oh, is that uh, until, right? Uh, until they got to shooting. Anyway. So she's like, I want to be treated like a princess. I've always wondered what that would be like. And Bones is like, I'd treat you like a princess. And they look over and what do you know? A princess dress hanging from a tree. Nothing says vacation comfort like a pointy hat and a modest corset. <laughs> Ooh, baby. <laughs> yeah, she uses the whole line about, oh, look at me, doctor, a lady to be protected and fought for. And I'm thinking, yeah, red flag. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, I, I saw that uh, pilot, that forgotten pilot episode. I saw that. I know what happens here. <laughs> but Bones can't help himself. You know how we know, because he gets his goofy, weird smile. <laughs> Which is oh. weird, because, okay, the dress shows up, and they seem kind of worried that it shows up but then he tells her ah you know what no big deal why don't you put those clothes on right and it's like you know what sometimes you guys just invite your own problems well and she stands there and so here's the thing i can't quite tell what was going on here (laughs) i'm not she says i'm afraid and the look on her face you can't quite tell if she's saying i'm afraid to go on the other side of this bush and get naked and get into this outfit that i don't know where it came from or I'm afraid because a guy just tried to rape me. Yes. <laughs> Either way, Bones is like, just, just go do it. Just <laughs> It'll be fine. Go. Yeah, that's fine. Just, just go do it. And he keeps on just pushing at her until finally she's like, okay, but don't peek. <laughs> and he says the creepiest line that Bones has ever <laughs> delivered. Oh my God. I'm a doctor. When I peek, it's in the line of duty. This is such a gross line. 
that even DeForest Kelly got a look on his face. Like, <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Oh, so really, bad. That's the line. That's the line. Really? That's oh, okay. Right. That's I'm going to kick Jean's ass. Oh my God. <laughs> so the, she then know. does the sixties television provocative thing where she goes out of screen, but then throws her clothes everywhere. So you can know it's like, yeah, just off screen. She doesn't have clothes on. So Rodriguez calls and he's like, Hey, <laughs> it was pretty good now we cut over and originally i was going to make a joke about martina and rodriguez are being stalked by clips uh, a clip of stock footage of a tiger mm-hmm. but i found out no they actually had a tiger on set um, yeah a tiger that william shatner really wanted to wrestle and he thought would be great for a scene if he and the tiger would wrestle and the production crew had to advise him. We don't have the time to do that sort of thing right now. You're not doing that. (laughs) So they gave him a giant stuffed tiger and had him roll around on the floor. (laughs) Honestly, I would have loved to see Shatner wrestle a tiger. I I would so be there for that, but it's not fair to the tiger or to Shatner. And you know, what are you going to do? The good news is it was probably really cheap for them to rent a tiger since they were actually at an Africa USA. Park, yeah. Um, even though that tiger was not from Africa. <laughs> now they bet all- you they had one there. <laughs> <laughs> they also had an elephant on the set. Um, but the elephant actually, because of the shooting actually never got on screen and report reportedly this drove producer uh, uh robert justman absolutely nuts because it was money they spent that never got on the screen and reportedly even members of the crew to make fun of him would say hey you gonna get to use your elephant today and it, he would basically <laughs> storm off <laughs> angrily. i love it um oh man so the the real question though is why a tiger what were they thinking about <laughs> well and which one was it <laughs> My money's on Martine. I think she was like, hey, Tiger, how's yeah, it going? Uh, yeah. And yeah. Now, now also, Rodriguez is it- looking for help. So he's got his communicator open and it's not working very well. So he starts shaking it like crazy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I also love the fact that he's holding it and right on his belt, you can see his phaser that he never even reaches for. Now, we later find out it probably wouldn't have done any good, but he doesn't even try. That's because he loves animals. Uh, and he's not going to hurt the animals. There you go. He, he, I mean, he's in Star Trek or he's in uh, Starfleet. Who knows? It could be uh, you know, Kazin Warrior. Yeah. And that, that could be a, a sentient tiger. You're absolutely yeah. right. You never know. I mean, I it's got a chain around its neck and it's clearly walking on all fours and speaks English for some reason. But, you know, I don't know. It's I would weird. have been a lousy Starfleet officer. I would have been shooting everything. <laughs> oh, 100%. I'd be so much more Kirk than I think I am. <laughs> anyway, so uh, <laughs> we go back to McCoy, and guess what he's doing? Creepy grin. <laughs> and Barrows walks out, and she's like, don't I look great? And his grin gets creepier. <laughs> so that's a good time to go to commercial. <laughs> so, so we, we come back to the bridge. <laughs> And and Kirk is basically doing what Kirk normally does, yelling at Spock to save his butt once again. And right. hurry up about it, please. <laughs> I, I just keep waiting for Spock to be like, and this is why I don't go on away missions. <laughs> and Spock's response is, well, are you guys high? Right. 
And Kirk's, Kirk's like, nah. like, no, it punched I, me. Somebody punched me. <laughs> I, what did he say? I got socked in the, did he say I socked in the kisser or something? Something like that. Yeah. It was just like, what? Why are you suddenly in the little rascals? <laughs> it's weird. And he looks up and he's like, oh, look, geese. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we cut to Sulu, who's just w- walking through this little canyon. And all of a sudden, a samurai just pops out of the ground. Oh, they should put signs up at Vasquez Rock about that. Be, be, watch, for, samurai. watch for burling samurai. <laughs> so Sulu's like, oh, I'm out. And he runs. Uh, and he runs straight to the captain. The ca- And he's like, captain, 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 captain. Did you see the set? Oh, there's no samurai. And he's like shooting his phaser wildly all over the place. <laughs> and he's like, oh, these don't work. <laughs> and you know what? Not the weirdest thing in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) So while they're standing there, somebody's trying to beam down. Now it's real obvious that it's Spock, but for some reason they can't seem to figure out. They're like, Oh, somebody's trying to beam down. Right. And they just, I'm amazed at how in stride they take everything in this episode. They're just like, (laughs) huh, look at that. Something's beaming down. And Spock shows up and he's like, guess what? Transporters don't work now. We're all stranded. And they're like, oh, we're stranded, huh? Cool. Like, it, seriously, they're mellow. <laughs> I wish to God I could be that mellow at any time in my life. <laughs> so and, they hear a, a tiger roar. Rawr. And, and Jim's reaction is spread out. Right? What? Why are you <laughs> well, trying to find the tiger? Wouldn't you be moving the opposite <laughs> It tells me that he's like, I got a 33% chance of surviving this. (laughs) And I really want to wrestle a tiger. That's true. Maybe that's it. That that was Shatner's choice. Shatner was like, uh, spread out. And they're like, why'd you say that? He's like, I want to wrestle the tiger into a corner. I have to wrestle the tiger now. No, no. (laughs) Also, they can all see each other's hallucinations now. Cause like, there's been a lot of that setup that nobody could see each other's stuff. And now everybody sees everything. And, and, and again, of all these guys, who's thinking about a tiger? Well, apparently now it's Spock. Cause it didn't show up until Spock got there. So Spock clearly uh. loves tigers. So we go back to bones and barrows in their little grassy glade. And she's like, Oh, don't I look wonderful. And for no reason at all, I'm a princess. I can't imagine a theme problem. And so then a knight shows up on a horse. (laughs) Now, at this point, McCoy decides none of this is real and I'm going to stand up to it. Okay, that's great. But dude, you saw the tracks, right? You weren't hallucinating that. So obviously some of this is real because it can leave tracks in the dirt. But he disregards that and stands his ground against a knight charging at him on a horse. With a lance. Also, if he's right and none of this is real, that girl's standing there naked. <laughs> that just seems rude. I just so, told you put on clothes that weren't <laughs> real. Right. Hello, Emperor. How are you feeling today? <laughs> um, so the knight comes running up, stabs him right in the chest. Bones is like, oh, I think it's real. <laughs> Plop. <laughs> Um, by the way, you know, you've been tracking a rabbit all day, but that's fine. It's not real. <laughs> so the night turns towards uh, uh, Kirk and Spock, who are just walking into the glade at the moment. 
Spock levels his phaser and it's not going to work. But for some reason, Kirk like knocks his hand away. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) I did not understand. Cause you know how Kirk's mind works. Kirk was like, don't kill it. I want to use the cool gun, (laughs) which he pulls out of his pants and (laughs) shoots the six shooter three more times, which makes seven shots out of a six shooter. And all I can say is, boy, I hope somebody got fired for that blunder. Yeah. The gun did. Ha, ha, ha. The gun got fired. All right. That's some quality comedy right there. Uh, so he shoots the thing. The thing goes, oh, no, bullets against my armor. You found my only weakness. Okay, in all fairness, he didn't actually say that, but that's what I heard in my head. <laughs> but they had to rewrite a lot, so you know. Right. <laughs> so they go and they check out Bones. Bones is dead. He's like dead, dead. And Barrows comes over and everyone says, all right, all right. Are we ready for the Oscar moment? Maybe only an Emmy moment, but let's let's do this. All right, you ready? And go. And Barrows oh, man. just, she gets her cry going. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She just really, I mean, the director gave her some room and she ran with it. Totally. She cries so hard. She cries through the commercial. We come back from commercial and she's like, (laughs) now in all fairness, it, it was really convincing. She looked great. She, uh, she's a good crier. I'm like really impressive. Um, and Kirk's like, shut up. And it's like grabs her and, brings her back to reality and he's like you're a starfleet officer and she's immediately fine again and you're like wow she's a good stage crier <laughs> you're a starfleet officer yeah but aren't most of us just explorers <laughs> right like i'm a scientist why can't i be upset about this and sulu shows up and he's like hey guys you see that dead knight over there because <laughs> <laughs> it's weird <laughs> it's like a dummy but it's got a lot of makeup on for some reason. <laughs> Dude, I love this scene though. Sulu walks up and he looks at the, he like looks at the, um, the night and flips open the visor and just sits there staring at it. And he's like, captain, come here. And it takes the captain like 15 minutes to walk over there. <laughs> and the whole time Sulu is holding his himself perfectly still staring into the face of this thing. And you're like, what's he doing? <laughs> And the captain's not running. He's just like, all right, I'll get there. Fine. But yeah, they, they look at it and they're like, wow, it's, it's not real. And it is caked in makeup and it is a dude caked in makeup. Yes. I, I honestly, it would have been so much cheaper and easier to just put a mannequin head in there. Yes. I, and they I, were like, no, we need a dude. Did not make any sense whatsoever of like, why did you do that? Yeah, but they poked him in the face. They oh, waved stuff in front of his eyes. Well. Spock has explained to him, oh, all this stuff is 3D printed at a cellular level. And while he's saying <laughs> that, Kirk goes and pokes the thing in the face. <laughs> he's like, ew. But I love that this poor bastard is laying on his back. He's in this hot suit of armor out in the desert. And he's covered in thick pancakey makeup. And these yahoos are waving stuff in front of his open eyes. <laughs> And he's good. He's yeah. perfectly still. It's amazing. At least until Kirk pokes him in the face. Then he scrunches up his <laughs> eyes. Which, I mean, if Shatner was poking me in the face, I'd scrunch up too. Yeah. Understandable. <laughs> so we switch back to Martin and Rodriguez. And Rodriguez is like, hey, you hear that? What is that? 
is that is that one of those airplanes I was just telling you about yesterday? <laughs> you remember when we got in that long conversation about World War II back on Earth? You know, for no reason whatsoever and absolutely zero foreshadowing. I don't know. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they're an alien planet, and we know at this point that aliens have 3D printed this thing. So what I want to know is, did they actually 3, 3D print a plane that actually had like aerodynamics to it? Or did they just have an anti-grav drone and they just threw a plane skin on it? I think it was just a projection. I think the, uh, the, the sky is just a big projector screen. And they're like, oh, yeah, flying stuff? We don't really have to make those because they're really far away. And they're like, sir, what about bird poop and airplane bullets? And like, nah, we'll just drop those. It's fine. Okay, sir. I do like um, that Martin asks, asks Rodriguez, well, can it hurt us? And he's like, well, not unless it does the one specific thing that can hurt us. Goes, oh, God, it's doing right now. <laughs> Remember that thing I told you yesterday about how they kill people on the ground? Oh, <laughs> well, we should probably run. <laughs> and they do and run. They run str- straight into a tree. <laughs> and Angela, I swear to God, she runs face first into that tree. Yes. And then she falls down backwards and you're like, oh no, she ran into a tree. And he's like, oh no, you've been shot by an airplane. <laughs> like, whoa, I don't, I don't, I don't really know which one it is, but man, she's, she's dead. It did look like she, she bounced her head off her noggin off that tree trunk pretty hard. Right. I actually kind of wonder if the actress did it by accident and did actually smack her face and was like, oh, this is going <laughs> to suck. <laughs> now the plane so, in question. And I'm not an expert on this, but I'm taking from somebody's post on IMDb on this. It's obviously different planes. Mm-hmm. Now, the first shot I did recognize, that's an F4 Corsair, the Baba Black Sheep, very easy to recognize. But the following shot, when it starts to come down, is not a Corsair. The wings are not bent. And the author of, the, of this particular post says, that's a P-47 Thunderbolt. Mm-hmm. Then they show a close-up of the cockpit and the firing. That's an F6 Hellcat that has Japanese zero markings on it. And that yep. piece of shooting of footage actually will make it into Baba Black Sheep like 10 years after this. Yeah. No, it's it, it is true. Those are absolutely all the correct descriptions for the planes. Also, the stock footage is so bad that if you look carefully in one of the shots, there's two planes. <laughs> They're, they have clearly included a shot of a dogfight in progress. <laughs> nice. It's pretty good. Um, anyway, so the planes fly off and you're like, oh, that was weird. And then we switch back to Sulu and he's like, hey, did you guys notice that the doctor's gone and the night's gone? And everybody's like, wait, what? <laughs> and Spock is like, well, what were you guys thinking about? And Sulu's like, not to stay puff marshmallow, man. <laughs> Sorry. The whole time they're that they're doing this, all I can think is that this is where they got the idea for the end of Ghostbusters. 100%. Just clear your mind. Clear your mind. What did you do, Ray? What did you do, Ray? <laughs> were you thinking were you thinking about an underground samurai? Damn it, Ray. Right. Uh, so then Finnegan shows up. And Kirk's like, "Oh, I got this." And he starts chasing Finnegan. And everybody's like, "Man, come back." It was kind of awesome. Yeah. At um, this point, I'm kind of wanting a Finnegan uh, uh, comedic series. It could be like a Van Wilder, but for Starfleet, you know, Finnegan, you know, 
I don't know. Like you've heard of Q, but have you heard of Finnegan? <laughs> the stereotype that'll take it to you. <laughs> That's our Finnegan. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he runs off cause he's like, I'm going to get me some answers. And Finnegan's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to kick your butt. <laughs> Um, so he stands up on top of Vasquez rock and he's like, Wah! and while he's standing up there jumping around, that is actually a scene that's in the credits. Uh, Cause this is the first, this is actually the first episode that does not have the stock footage in the credits from all the other episodes. Ah. Uh, it's got clips from this episode in it. Um, anyway. And one of those is Finnegan standing up on top of the rocks going, <laughs> and Spock looks after him like, there's nobody there, right? Like he's, <laughs> he's just running off into nowhere, right? I don't know. Um, and so they get in a big fight. And it's, it's is, I, I will say, it's a fun fight because it actually, uh, I, they're tired. They're, you know, they, yeah. they fight so much that they actually get tired. Anytime I see a fight where everybody's tired, I'm like, okay, this is this was written and choreographed by somebody <laughs> who's been in a fight. Because <laughs> fights are exhausting. <laughs> I, I I hate every time I see a fight on TV or movies where they just keep going and going and going. It's like you just took a a giant hit to the to the solar plexus, and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna just jump right up and go fight back. No, you're wheezing and crying and snotting all over the floor because somebody just punched you in your breathe button. Like <laughs> punching makes me punch, people punching me makes me angry. Right, it makes me angry too, but it also makes me you know cry a little. <laughs> It hurts. You fight is bad. Kids, don't fight. It sucks. It hurts. Right. Anyway, so Kirk and Finnegan are having a crazy fight. Uh, Finnegan, so this is great. So they they get into this little uh, pathway. Finnegan takes a swing at Kirk. Kirk kicks him in the butt. (laughs) (laughs) Then Finnegan takes another swing at him. And Kirk does a sideways flying kick. Flying is really kind of a <laughs> misnomer. It's it's more like you, you know when when uh, uh, Fred Flintstone would click his heels in the air. It was kind of like that, but then with a kick at the end, <laughs> and he kicked him with both feet into the rocks. Which I mean, it was kind of cool, but it also meant that Kirk was now on the ground, completely exposed, and ready to get his butt kicked. So that move, that flying kick move. Mm-hmm. That's Shatner's. Is Shat- it really Shatner in his, uh, in his memories book, Star Trek memories talk uh-huh. about that. He wanted a signature move for Kirk. And that was the one that he came up with. That's amazing. That explains why I see that so much. Yeah. That's that pretty was, cool. That was his bit. Well, it is definitely his signature move. Cause nobody else would do that. <laughs> and he, he does it. And the dude gets just thrown into the rocks. It's awesome. And in retribution, Finnegan picks up a, uh, uh, the, the dried stick of a century plant and just whips it across <laughs> his back and breaks it over him. And I mean, that, that looked like it hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he whipped him hard <laughs> anyway. So then they get up on a hill, they roll down the hill a little bit. He pushes Finnegan down and Finnegan's like, ah, my back, my back, I'm old. And then he's like, I can't feel my legs. And Kirk's like, oh yeah, well, can you feel this? And kicks him, <laughs> which very Kirk thing to do. That's, I would say that's Kirkian. 
um, it, it was, it was pretty good. Um, and then he's like, well, I feel bad about that now. Let me see if I can help you up. And Finnegan's like, ha ha, I gotcha. And flips him over. Which now we're starting to figure out, oh, this is why you got razzed so much, Jim. You were an easy mark. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. So Finnegan flips him over and Kirk passes out. And That's somehow, not important. <laughs> yeah, somehow the flipping over, even though we see the whole thing, when Kirk lands, his tunic is completely ripped. So I've rewound a couple times, man. He, he leans over Finnegan. Finnegan grabs him. Tunic is perfectly fine. Finnegan puts his, his feet into his gut, flips him over. Kirk lands on his back, passes out. Tunic is fine from the, the, the wide shot. Then they do a narrow shot. And in the narrow shot, he is all shoulders because that tunic is destroyed <laughs> and they go to commercial. They come back and I swear it's ripped even more yes. after commercial. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, did they just do close-ups from the wrong fight? But then for the rest of the show, his tunic is ripped. It was like somebody just thought it'd be a good idea. Yeah, it was weird. Now there is um, one thing that I read said that there's a couple of different cuts of this. Mm-hmm. There's one cut that actually has more interaction with Ruth and less okay. fighting, but there's another cut actually that has way that actually extends the fighting out. And I'm wondering if something got edited there between like part that of the fight sense. got cut out of there to, for the tunic. I did I'm read that. That multiple cuts were put in syndication in different markets. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of odd, but eh, that means there's multiple versions of this out there. I kind of wonder which one they chose to, to remaster. Which makes you so, wonder how much film of this was actually shot. Right. Like how long did these guys play fight out there? Cause I, there's, I think there's two sets of, of uh, stunt doubles for this. Cause when I'm watching it, it looked like there were two different guys standing in for each of them. I can't uh, prove it. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that this went on for a while. Maybe there's a real fight. Maybe <laughs> while they were play fighting, they got angry at each other, sort of real fighting. And, hey guys, before you know. do that, put on these shirts, right? <laughs> hey, uh, chat, chat. Can you just tear your shirt a little? <laughs> Don't, no reason. So Finnegan, uh, he, he's like, Hey, uh, we're going to fight some more. And he throws dirt in his face. And Kirk's like, oh no. And so they start punching each other in the face. Cause that's how fights on TV work. Yeah. I, I, I love the, they immediately go to the, uh, the Hollywood fighting thing of like, I'm just going to line up here and get a shot at your face. Right. <laughs> Seriously. It's like people in Hollywood learn about fighting from watching hockey. <laughs> right. Like, yes, those guys hit each other repeatedly in the face, but they also, you know, hang out and have beers. Cause they, they know that they're not going to hit that hard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, and I've also squared up and gotten punched in the face. And I can tell you my first reaction is not, I'm going to hit you back. My first reaction is, ow, <laughs> I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah. As somebody with a very big nose, I can tell you, yeah, getting hit in the face is not fun. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyway, so they square up, they fight a little bit and they throw each other around the stage throws are so terrible. Um, at one point, this is my favorite one. Shatner throws the guy and then he's standing there kind of huffing and puffing and Shatner by himself falls to his knees 
and starts rolling. <laughs> and I'm like, why is he rolling? Nothing touched him. And he almost starts rolling down the hill. And you can see, like, he kind of had to stop himself because I think he actually was starting to roll down the hill. And he was like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> it was good stuff. So finally, Finnegan's like, hey, you know, we're here to help you, man. I'm here to be exactly what you want. <laughs> Which I got to admit, if one of my bullies said that, you know, from my childhood said that to me, I'd get up and punch him one more time too. Right. <laughs> you know what I really want is for you to be unconscious. <laughs> and then Spock sneaks in right as the guy's getting knocked out. And he's like, Hey, you like that? Didn't you <laughs> <laughs> kind of got off on that? Didn't you Jim? <laughs> right. And Jim's like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I will say that uh, the entire time that they were having this fight to Shatner's credit, he had a grin on his face the entire time. They did a good job of, he's kind of liking this. Yes. Right. I thought it was the, the pseudo therapy of it all was, was actually kind of sneaking through as much as I give this thing crap. There was at least that. Yes. Yeah. I totally agree. And then the tiger shows up again. Yeah. That's the, when, when Spock is like, you know, the stuff that we've been thinking about just pops right. up and then the t- tiger just pops up. It's like, okay, everyone stop thinking about tigers. Right. Hey, um, is anybody thinking about samurai? Ah, dang it. There's a samurai, right? (laughs) I don't know. So (laughs) my favorite moment though, was, uh, when, um, oh, who was it? It was bones and was it bones and barrows or barrows? No, no. Cause bones is dead. Uh, oh no, it was Rodriguez. Rodriguez is walking through the, um, or is running through the Canyon again. And as he's running, they come across the samurai and he just bowls the guy over like football shoulder <laughs> right into the guy's gut, bowls him over. The samurai's like, well, I guess that's not happening and falls down. It was so cool. I like how just everybody who's guest star. So the samurai Don one, everyone who's guest starred so far just shows up again at the yep. end. Just like, so is everyone just thinking about their day all of a sudden well, or what? And we go back <laughs> to the glade and, and for some reason at this point, everyone has left Barrows alone. She's all by herself changing in the middle of this glade. Nobody thought that was a bad idea. And so then Don Juan shows up and this is the creepiest superhero you've ever seen. It is this dude in like (laughs) silky tight clothes with a a little mask and a a cape. And he just, he's looking pretty rapey and he grabs her and starts trying to take her away. And, and Sulu and Rodriguez like start to counter him and he's going to fight them. (laughs) until captain Kirk shows up and then he runs away. I love how he runs away. He's like, Oh, I'm going to jump in this bush. (laughs) And it's like, everybody's just okay with it. Nobody chases him any further. Nobody's like, you better run. They're just like, well, he's gone anyway. All right. That was weird. Also, how did uh, the rapey guy showing up right as she was getting changed, fix her dress. It's not ripped anymore, but not true. The the little neck band in the back was still ripped. on yeah. the opposite side. Yeah, but the the part that was exposing her entire shoulder, that was somehow sewed back together. Yes. So somebody fixed it. They just did a really <laughs> crappy job at it. <laughs> well, she was sitting there and she was like, I'm thinking of a seamstress. I'm thinking of a seamstress. All I want to see in the whole world. But I don't know oh, any good crap. ones. Damn. I thought about that bad seamstress back at Starfleet. So Kirk's like, all right, there's only one way out of this. 
my good buddy Spock told me about it. It's called meditation. So everybody stand at attention and meditate. And he like he's like pushing them all together and trying to make them all stand up. It's it's really funny. <laughs> think about that. Think about standing at attention. Right. Just think about that. And then don't think about what a jerk I'm being right now. Just think about standing. As if at this attention. wasn't weird enough, some old guy just strolls up. He's like, "Hey, what's up?" <laughs> They're like, "Hi, who are you?" Oh, I'm the character. <laughs> duh. <laughs> So this dude is uh, the caretaker is played by Oliver Mc- Oliver McGowan. Um, had eighty three television credits between fifty two and seventy one, just all over the place. Um, he passed away in seventy one, unfortunately. Um, he didn't live long enough to be an assignment assignment, but he was in a manix. So we've got that manix. There was no cause of death really listed for him, so it was Hollywood. So we're just going to assume coke fueled gunfight with police at a I mean, as one does. I mean, the odds, right. you know, um, and, and, uh, and he shows up and it's, it's, it's kind of has a, uh, a John Candy moment where he's, you know, he's, you know the part's going to make what you think. I, the moose outside should have told you, you know, <laughs> listen, uh, we didn't do this. This is completely from your head. Sorry. <laughs> and Spock's like, Yeah. <laughs> so Kirk is very upset because, Hey, you killed my friend. Oh yeah. And, and Martine bounced her head off of a tree as well, but right. you killed my friend. Yeah. The other one was an ensign. So eh, whatever. <laughs> and then bones shows up with how, so how bones would you describe shows this? up and he's got a lady on each arm. These ladies are wearing fur. They're wearing fur bikinis. One of them, has, or one's yellow, one's pink. They have a feather sticking up straight out of, off of each of their heads. Um, they have bikini tops that somebody cut the neck string off of. The fur is like <laughs> three inches long. Like it's furry. So their, their top halves have been stuck into these bikini tops. Their bottom halves have been, uh, are, are in bikini bottoms also with, long furry stuff. Like, I mean, we're talking <laughs> bright pink fur. Like you would have seen on a, a carnival stuffed animal. Like it's bad. Um, and for some yeah, reason, they both uh, have buttons that match their pictures, like fabric covered buttons. Covering their navels. <laughs> because it's 1967. You can have a woman being almost completely naked on screen. As long as her tops, her bottoms and her belly button are covered. <laughs> Cause that's, what's really going to get people. That's, that's where the belly button is the stairway. Right. To stint, that, that must be it. I uh, <laughs> never understood that, but I mean, they do it with men too. If you look if you watch sixties TV that you'll see men who have makeup over belly buttons too. I don't understand why. No, uh, that's, that's why Kirk was wearing those, uh, those tights. And Maybe, actually. I've seen makeup ah, over belly buttons, and makeup, that. makeup over, uh, uh, nipples. Like it's all over the place, right? Yes. Anyway, so they show up and I mean, it, it was one of those moments where you're like, are those supposed to be playboy bunnies? Cause they're kind of close. And yes. Yeah. We're, we're doing that close to that intellectual property thing we did with yeah, Alice right? at the beginning. You so know, Disney. bones comes out with each of the, or with a, one of these girls on each arm and he is just grinning like the devil. And <laughs> 
immediately, uh, or well, they explain, you know, I'm not dead. I'm, see, I'm not dead. They showed me all kinds of stuff down there. It was amazing. <laughs> so cool. And then Barrow is like, um, excuse me, what is this? And he's like, oh, yeah, um, these are some girls that I knew back on Ryza a long time ago. And I thought about them and they popped up. That's all. Not right. Ry- or not, not Ryza. Ryza uh, Rigel. Rigel too. <laughs> Once again. Yeah. Rigel. The Rigel system. I mean, there's an entire series Seriously. just right there. The politics alone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, between the the Kallax going rah, 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 rah. <laughs> and apparently all the fur covered ladies, I don't know. They are they're in all fairness, and, they worked in like a casino or something. So, here's the thing. <clears throat> in Mud's women, they went to Rigel 7 and those miners run Rigel 7 and really were desperate yep. for wives when just Five planets in there's a cabaret that features women yeah, like this. Yeah, but inappropriate thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think these girls would have gone for the minors. Let's put it that way. Anyway, they only like doctors. Ah, uh, yeah, doctor being the highest social stratus in the, yeah, in the total, Rigel system. Total, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Here's, That's canon now. Here's the thing I don't get though, is that <laughs> Barrow, like they weren't all lovey dovey at the beginning that happened because they were hallucinating. And now Barrow is like, you're mine. Now you realize this, like, what are you doing? And she like immediately like posts up on him and grabs an arm and everything. And those two are like, well, all right, I guess we'll wander off to the next eligible bachelors. So they grab Sulu and <laughs> Spock. <laughs> I, I don't I hate to say barking up the wrong tree, but, but you know, anyway, <laughs> and they're like, well, you know, that, that's what we do. We're, we're basically an amusement park. Uh, we, we take care of everybody. So, you know, you guys are more than welcome to hang out and have fun. And Kirk's like, send the whole ship down. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> you just got the crap beat out of you and you're running from a tiger <laughs> and there's a creepy rabbit on the loose and you're like, send everybody down. Cause this old guy said, no, 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 it's fine. <laughs> Send everyone down. Just tell them not to think about tigers or Don Juan and you should be fine. Oh, here's a list of all the things you shouldn't (laughs) think about. Oh, that's a bad idea. Anyway. So yeah. Um, (laughs) and, and so Spock says, well, you know what? I've had enough of this place. Have fun. And Kirk's like, no, 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 you stay. I'll go. And then Ruth shows up. It's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to stay a while. (laughs) <laughs> also, Ruth's shoes don't match. It bugged me every time she was on screen. She's wearing one white shoe and one black shoe. Oh, don't, I it's hate the future. that. I hate that so much. Now, don't get me wrong. It coordinated very well with her beautiful earrings. She had those, those cool triangles that were black and white. It was really neat. Ruth, she was an older woman I met when I was in, in Starfleet Academy. Completely colorblind, <laughs> but so special. So they, they go back to the bridge. Everybody's showing up after their vacation. Like, ah, oh, I feel so good. And that that's not the look that's on their face. The look that's on their face is they, they had a lot of fun on the surface. <laughs> We're talking holodeck fun here, but Ahura doesn't look like she got to go this thing Vegas with no her. looks like she sat there the whole time and everybody else got to go, which that's not cool, man. 
I don't understand. Yeah. Here's the thing. Her is iron, man. I mean, we, we, we look at her at in naked time. She doesn't True. get affected. Uh, she kicks ass in mirror universe coming, you know, oh, yeah. coming up. She, she's basically like her and Scotty are the two biggest professionals so, on the ship. They know their job. Scotty. Just so what you're saying wrong, is that Scotty and Uhura but, could do this entire show all by themselves with the occasional library look up from Spock. I think uh, that's I think good. So. That's good stuff right there. And there'd be a lot <laughs> less fights. <laughs> this is that Jim Kirk thing of you hang out with people smarter right? than you and, uh, you know, take the credit for what happens. <laughs> they'd, they'd meet up with the Klingons <laughs> and Uhura would be like, uh, Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Speaking of which, the ending on this one is horrible because they're, they'd even write a decent joke, even a bad joke for it. They just, Spock says, do you guys have fun? And they're like, oh yeah, we had fun. And he goes, most illogical. And then Jim spends the time doing the worst yep. fake laugh. <laughs> oh, it is terrible. And then on top of it, like everybody's all crowded around the captain's chair. It looks like one of those bad eighties <laughs> freeze frames. It's so stupid. I don't know. It's, uh, there are some fun moments in this episode, but by far it is one of the dumbest. It's this is one of those episodes that honestly, even when I was a kid was like, that wasn't right? very good. Like it wasn't even, the concept <laughs> could be fun. It could be the kind of concept where you sit there and you go, what would I imagine? But no, it wasn't even fun enough for that. I'd never once <laughs> while I was watching this went, what would I think about? Nope. I sure didn't. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> you guys made me not care about a cool thing like that. <laughs> it's so nice out here. I'm glad there's not a tiger that's going to be right. Oh God. <laughs> It's so nice out here. It makes me so happy there's no mosquitoes. Ah! <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it was a bizarre concept. <clears throat> Again, I have to I have to applaud the director for actually getting this whole thing Somehow done. Somehow making it through. Because this was just yeah. This there was a lot to put together here and uh and it was just a strange, strange ah, episode. Now the next episode is going to be much oh, better. Yeah, one it's of my the Galileo Seven. It's also going to give us one of the this finest is going to be model it. kits ever made. Well, I don't know about <laughs> finest, but it's pretty cool. It's a it's largely a Spock and McCoy episode, but yeah, it's it's very Locked much looking forward to that. Doing a bottle episode. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to say a thank you to five-year mission for the use of their song beam down as our intro and outro. Make sure you check them out at fiveyearmission.net where you can find a song for each episode of the original series grouped into albums for each season. You can find them on that website and on Apple music and on Spotify. And please feel free to stop by and drop us a line. We are no seat belts on the bridge on Twitter facebook blue sky and instagram blue sky. i like it better than all the other ones i'm just saying <laughs> you can also find our archive of free episodes all at www.noseatbeltspod.com thank you Starting 8 3 2016